here we are, episode one. Welcome to the Navigating Life podcast with me, your host, Carol Joy Williams. This is a podcast about life. If you, like me, sometimes feel that you're in the middle of an ocean in a rubber dinghy with no compass, then this is for you. Benjamin Franklin is famously quoted as saying, there are only two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. I remember hearing that for the first time, aged about 10, and letting the words roll around in my mouth and mind. I didn't really know what they meant, but the sound of them fascinated me. Oh, for the simplicity of a time where I merely enjoyed the feel of those particular words strung together in a sentence, rather than understanding their implication. I do feel that Mr. Franklin forgot to mention the absolute certainty of uncertainty in this life. That one feels a little more useful than merely noting the presence of death and taxes, in my opinion. Perhaps the experience of uncertainty has never been more real than right now. When this podcast launches this last week of March in 2021, it will be exactly a year since we went into our first hard lockdown here in South Africa due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Unprecedented hardly begins to cover the complexity that this past year has held for us as individuals and as a world. And perhaps what makes this all the more tricky to navigate is the fact that the entire world has been impacted and thrust into transition without much opportunity to prepare. Our whole lives have changed and it's likely that while some things will return, the world as we knew it is gone. I have found grief closer to the surface in the last little while. I have always been a slow processor of these things. Grief has also had different colors in this time. And of course, there have also been those incredible gifts that have come from this time. I think it's safe to say that with every transition or change in life comes the complexity of having to navigate multiple things constantly. And this can be exhausting. The fact that you can feel joy and sorrow so keenly and often in the same breath. Many of us went from having a fairly stable existence or experience of life to what felt like utter chaos overnight and not by choice either. I think it's fair to say that this has demanded a lot from all of us. In recent times, I've been having so many conversations about the time we found ourselves in. And so I've been thinking a lot about navigating transition and change, the fact that it feels like it's ongoing at the moment. I've also been thinking about the idea that we've been navigating transitions big and small since the day we were conceived. And somehow, friends, we've made it to this point where I'm making this podcast and you're listening. I decided that for this first episode, I would like to unpack this idea of navigating change and perhaps share some of my thoughts on how we can keep sane while everything around us shakes. The truth is we've been navigating change since we were zygots. I asked some of my friends and family to share their stories of transition and change. I love hearing these stories and I was reminded again that we really do have the capacity to navigate these things because we've been doing it all along. My first story comes from a lovely friend of mine, Nicole, and her six-year-old daughter who recently started big school. She managed to capture some of the sweet conversation that happened between them. Okay. So, what are the question is? What are some of the things 
that can you ask the questions i can i'm asking them so what are some of the changes that you've experienced this year going into grade one what are things that are different to how they used to be i started wearing a uniform a uniform yes every day the same since there are different activities on each day yeah mom helped me to make a chart yeah so that every and I pack my bag every day before school. Mhm. And then, what what other what other um, things are different? Do you maybe get homework or something like I that? I get homework, except on a Friday. Uh huh. I'd get homework every day except on a Friday. And I um. Is the homework always fun? No. But why do we do it? To get good at it. To get good at it, hey. And yeah. what are you busy learning about at the moment? Easter. Easter. And in your homework, what are you busy learning about? Reading. Reading. And how do you get good at reading? You do it over and over and over you again. Practice. Yeah. What else are you doing this year that you never used to do last year? Clarinet. Yeah. Um, I started clarinet because I felt confident to do it. Okay, but do you, just because you're confident, does it already make you brilliant? No. You can be confident and still have to practice, hey? What struck me about this was the beautiful interaction between mom and daughter. I know my friend too, and I know that she would have helped her daughter navigate this transition through many conversations before this one. Perhaps this is why it's more important than ever that we have people in our corner. It's not just six-year-olds who need a space to share, listen, and find wisdom. Both the wisdom that they have themselves as well as the wisdom of others. Perhaps things feel less scary when we share them. It's so tough in a time like right now, though, where none of us feel like we have much extra capacity. And perhaps it feels safer and all you can really cope with just to survive and exist in your own head and bubble. The reality is, though, that we need people and connection. We need sounding boards and sometimes we need to whisper for the question to be asked again. It's okay to be unsure. It's okay to feel like this is weakness, which it's not. And like you don't know what's going on. Sometimes the thing we need the most requires the most from us. One of my friends recently became a dad for the first time and I asked him to share some of his experiences of this life-altering change. Here's Josh's story. Okay, how would I feel uh, reflecting on the transition and change that I've been through becoming a dad? Mm. You know, I won't say that I expected anything i was very much sort of open to seeing what happens because obviously you nothing can prepare you for it for sure um truthfully honestly it's been super difficult it's been very challenging um yeah like it's it's i think as a as an artist or a creative somebody who has a high creative output and always wants to create new things and needs to focus really need to knuckle down and focus at times to get anything done mm -hmm. becoming a dad has been it's been just a, like a massive uh, adjustment because 
Um, I find myself now competing for time that I used to take for granted. So when I'm working on something creative, especially because that's that's really where I find myself um, daily is creating things and spending time with music and uh, writing and um, business, entrepreneurial endeavors, all of these things. Now I find myself fighting for that time and it's five minutes here, five minutes there, um, staying up later than I would usually um, and waking up earlier sometimes, tough waking up early because the babies will sleep early. <laughs> but wait, there's a little bit more to this one. Okay, and I just realized that was quite a pessimistic voice note. Um, but on the plus side, um, loving being a dad, um, it is very scary though, um, because I sometimes feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but just to see my child's smile and, you know, she's starting to giggle now and be very amused um, by her surroundings. It's such a heartwarming experience. Just to, yeah, just to, just to undergo that experience and just go through it is, is mad crazy. And just to sort of celebrate every little milestone. I love how Josh caught himself there, only reflecting on what has been so challenging about this massive upheaval in his life. And the fact that he then sent me another voice note to say that it's not all bad. And perhaps herein lies the secret to navigating transition. It's not all good and it's not all bad. When you get married, you give up the independence of single life but gain companionship. When you have children, you give up more independence but experience a joy that is unspeakable. Or so I've heard. I guess it's the trauma of transition and the sometimes continuous assault of all these things that make it particularly exhausting and overwhelming. Sometimes we just need to pause and see that there is stuff worthy of a second voice note in most situations. This is not toxic positivity, which negates and refuses to accept the hard stuff, but rather an approach that allows both to coexist at the same time. Quite a complex thing to navigate. We're now going to take a quick pause on all these serious stories as we cross to our What the Beep is Going On in the World segment with my friend Ulrich in Japan. Welcome to this section of the Navigating Life podcast and this is called What the Beep is Going On in the World and joining me for this segment is Ulrich and he's all the way in Japan, a friend of mine for many, many years and he found himself... Um, moving to Japan about three and a half years ago. In this segment, we're going to focus on funny things that are either happening to us in our own lives or else crazy news headlines that are happening around the world. So welcome, Ulrich. It's so good to have you with us. So you've been living in Japan for three and a half years. And yeah. it's kind of well known that I guess there's just different food to like what we used to in South Africa. So tell us what is one of the most interesting things you've eaten. Are you ready since? for this? I don't know if you're ready to hear this answer. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Okay, no, I am. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Horse sushi. Horse sushi. Yeah. Oh my well, actually, gosh. to be correct, horse sashimi, but also sometimes on rice. So sushi and sashimi. Oh my goodness. Okay, so um, talk us through the moment when you realized that you were eating horse. So actually, uh, my friends who took me were kind enough to sort of like prep us and uh, 
told us we we're going to eat it. And I went with a, another friend of mine, Richard from America. And we, we were like, okay, we're ready for this thing. We're going to do this thing. And we get in and there's this plate of horse sushi. And um, some of it is white. Some of it is dark red. Uh, so I'm thinking, whoa, this is what's going on here. Um, <laughs> and the, my friend who's introducing us to horse sushi starts pointing to like all different parts of the horse and uh, doing it in song. So I think he was just extremely excited. And he points to the mane as well. And that was the white piece. <gasps> so um, which tastes like meat but looks like fat. Uh, it's It's very... It's a different Ooh. culture, and I know it's very um, can be quite offensive in some cultures to eat things like that. Um, but as far as I know, it, it's um, I, th I think it is um, not only legal; <laughs> it's definitely legal, <laughs> but also done in a very humane way. And I think it's for, if I can say, retired horses, or I, I don't know. But um, <laughs> this is not going I'm well. just imagining I don't know these. The I'm just imagining these horses like doing crosswords on the porch and then becoming sushi <laughs> after that. You're taking it too far, <laughs> Retired horses. Is, it's, it's, it's not the <laughs> they most enjoy bingo. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy you like bingo, bing you are going to get axed if you like bingo. No bingo for you. <laughs> doing bingo and crosswords. So or what is your crazy story um, in what the beep is going on in the world? Okay. So it's not really a crazy story, but there was a crazy moment I had. But the, the story or the current event that's happening right now is cherry blossoms in Japanese right. Sakura. And cherry blossoms is something that's really cool that happens right throughout the country. Um, and it's it's just a pink country for two weeks. So the weird part is that I was walking in one of these parks with all the cherry blossoms everywhere. And I saw this guy in not so um, decent white underwear doing <laughs> squats randomly. In, in his tidy whiteies. Very tidy whiteies. And he was waving <laughs> oh at gosh. us, inviting us to join him. Oh my which goodness. we uh, respectfully declined. Oh, well, but my why? friends said I joined. No. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of but course. I, I think he'd maybe had one too many beers under the cherry trees. But um, mm, it, it he got was caught up in the moment, moment a bit much. He was, uh, but <laughs> it's an interesting thing, you know. I, I've never, even if I've had a glass of wine or a beer or something, I've never s sat under a tree and gone, hmm. I feel like squatting now. <laughs> yeah, I should you know, like I just squats. I am going to do squats and invite people to join me. And guess what? I'm going to do it in transparent underwear. It's great. <laughs> you know, so like that, that part uh, of it, I was like, what? Great imagination. Well done. All right, that was great. And let's get back into our look on navigating transition and change. I remember having to navigate the disappointment of a transition that didn't happen as I was hoping. In 2015, I was dead set on going to do a short course in the arts in the USA. I think this was more an excuse to travel than anything else, but I was so excited when I got my acceptance letter, I quit my job and I started making my plans. On the day I was going to book my flight, I received an email to let me know that they had cancelled the school. Disappointment flooded my mind and I just cried. I can be quite dramatic. I'd been so excited. 
You see, I thought that this was a place and time that was going to launch me into my dream of working as a creative. I was looking to this course to legitimize my desire to leave my work in the development sector and move closer to my dream of working in the creative sector, whatever that meant. In preparing for this podcast, I put this question out on my social media. What have been some of the trickiest things you've had to navigate when you've gone through a big life transition or change in the past? The answers I got were awesome and I totally resonated with all of them. One that really stood out reads, um, imposter syndrome, feeling unprepared or inadequate, which is rooted in perfectionism. Things that helped me the most was learning that there are literally models of the stage of human change. Heck, if there's a model, it can't just be me. I guess my deep desire to go to the USA was because at some level, most likely subconsciously, I believed that it would somehow validate me as a creative. My problem was not that I wasn't creative, I believe actually everybody is creative. It was my belief that it would be a once-off kind of event or program that endorsed this fact. It's kind of ridiculous now that I think about it. Like everything that I'd done up to that point was not creative and somehow a magical switch would flip while on this course. It's, you know, being in America would probably help and there would be benefits um, to being there. And then forever and ever after that, I would somehow be a creative genius with calls from all over the world flooding and demanding to work with me. I'd just name my price and the project would flow in. Hmm. Let's all laugh at that, shall we? I mean, nothing wrong with a dream or desire, but a very faulty way of thinking about the execution. Magical thinking, some would call it. So instead of moving to the USA, I moved to a dodgy neighborhood in town, which is another story for another day, and started the extremely difficult task of pursuing my dreams. It didn't come in the shiny package I'd hoped for, with a certificate that said I was now a fully-fledged and bona fide creative. Rather, it came with a lot of unknowns, struggles, being broke a lot, working up to five jobs at a time, burnout, lots of tears, sacrifices, frustration, feeling misunderstood, questioning my sanity, and why I could not, for goodness sake, just do a real job. And here I am, five years on, and I guess you could say that I'm closer to these dreams I had back then than I've ever been. And they keep growing, but I'm learning to be more present and to let go of how I think things should look, throwing away the script. I probably would have preferred the USA three-month course version of my story, the shiny one where everything would just line up and I'd probably likely meet a lovely American man to be my husband and we'd ride off into this idyllic sunset together and, I don't know, be creative in some utopia. I laugh as I share this at the sheer ridiculousness of the notion, which I believed so wholeheartedly, which I think was probably actually just fear. I didn't get that story. I got the gritty, very real, uphill battle one. And yet, here I am, five years on, battle bruised to be sure, but far more connected to my heart than I could ever have dreamed of. This transition has been brutal, but beautiful. And I'm reminded that each leg of this race in life prepares us for the next. Even pandemic seasons and the ones you'd rather skip because they were not a pretty picture in the process of them. 
So my story didn't lead me to America, but my friend Mary's story did take her there. Dropping everything she knew at the age of 45 and moving across the world with her brother's family based on a gentle tug that she felt towards making that huge transition. So wanting to share something of what it was like to move from South Africa to America. And I realized that the context of this was is all about transition. Um, and I guess I'm still I'm still in that, but the 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 big leap of faith that it took to to jump is something I want to reflect on particularly for um for this this context. Um yeah, it was a it was a big decision to make. And I realized that with transitions, sometimes it's it's not always, you know, something that we decide, but we kind of find ourselves in those places. But in this case, I knew it was a decision that I had to make since my brother and his family were moving to America and the invitation had been extended to me to join them. Um, And my initial instinct to that invitation was to say no because I didn't necessarily feel that it was my destiny, that it was their story and not my story. So... That was the start of the the decision-making process as I grappled with my own spirit and soul to work out what it is that I wanted from life and um, what was was the next chapter of my story going to look like. And so um, I learned quite heavily on God in that season just to to have some reassurance because it feels like a big decision to make. And it's not a decision where you have a lot of... um, you know, clarity about what it looks like on the other side, transition seldom is, I guess. But I didn't have a framework of what my life would look like. I just knew that I I had to decide on taking the chance. I had to decide on the risk um, and was the risk worth it. So it wasn't a quick decision. After saying no, I, I felt like the invitation was extended back again a couple of times and then I would wrestle with with the the choice of saying yes or no. So it took me probably about six months to to then feel the certainty that I I needed to say yes. And even when I say certainty, it feels like too strong of a word to put behind my yes. But I felt more yes than no. So that was enough for me to move and to jump. And, um, And the unknown was really what I was jumping into. Um, I didn't have a work permit. I didn't have the means to support myself. So I knew it was going to be a season of deep trust in God and also, um, I guess, a, a season of dependency because my brother was willing to sponsor me for some time, which I wasn't comfortable with. So there were a lot of discomforts according to what I had known to be security but there was something greater tagging on my yes. And so we made the move and I came over with um, his family. And um, and at first, I have to say, you know, there was a novelty at being in the States. Um, I enjoyed the newness of it and it felt a little like I was on holiday. But then the reality of the transition really started to kick in probably a month or two after being here 
where it just felt like, so what is my life actually going to look like here? I don't have the capacity to to really make anything happen. As I say, from practical reasons, I didn't have a work permit. I didn't have the means to support myself. So it felt like I was really quite handicapped and almost um, bound by circumstance. And yet it was that digging in in terms of faith to hear the yes again, that I I was on the right track. And even though I couldn't see what was unfolding or what I was going to walk into in terms of a life, um, just to stay the course of the transition. And the gifts that came from that very uncertain time will stay with me forever. And those gifts really were a greater understanding of who I was without some of those things that had held such security for me. And in this, in my life, it was things like my home, my, um, I mean, this would be the case for many people, I'm sure, my home, my career, um, as a speaker, my reputation amongst people, my means to to you know earn an income, and then of course my circle of friends and and people that I knew. So, if identity is what you do, what people know about you and what you have, then I did not have an identity, but I was learning a new level of identity, which was character and. Um, and really finding a security in, in my faith. And slowly but surely, all those things which are very natural to need in our lives, in terms of income, in terms of purpose, um, you know, community, they started to they started to happen. They started to um to come into to my life. And more than anything, um which was so mind-blowing and so I was, you know, just so not expecting was to meet someone who was going to become my husband um, in a short space of time. And, of course, we were starting a life together and I now am pregnant. And so to see how tough that initial transition phase was and what that leap of faith took in terms of a yes, you know, um, there's a lot that I'm still adjusting to and transitioning into in my new life as a wife and a mother. But um, I will always be grateful for that transition season, those early days, those early months, because it showed me something of the nature of God and something of how he'd made me. Something that really struck me about Mary's story was the no man's land experience that she had after the novelty of the move to the US wore off. I think that perhaps we are all experiencing a level of that at the moment. The world is not what it used to be and the dust has not yet settled. I think the thing that has made so much of this time feel so completely insane is the lengthy time of not knowing that we've been in. Waiting for things to go back to normal, waiting for, I don't know, whatever it is. Something I have been challenged on is how I can live here and now with everything how it is, if nothing changed, and not wish my life away. It's a toughie, but I'm learning. I think we are prone to future date happiness. When this thing happens and that thing lines up, then I'll be happy. I'm trying to learn how to use the nice plates, if you know what I mean. To use the things that are in my life right now and to navigate through all seasons 
no matter what they look like. My last story comes from my very own dad. He will be 80 next year, although you would never believe it if you met him. My parents moved out of our family home a couple of years back, and this transition was truly traumatic for both of them. I asked him to share about some of the things that he had to navigate through this transition. Periods of transition. Everybody faces at least one period of transition in their lifetime, usually more than one. Some three years ago, my wife and I faced a major transition, moving from a home of 40 years into a tiny cottage in a retirement center. After months of frantic packing, together with having to say a sad farewell to what had been a very happy home, we felt flat and very emotional. While the period of transition is not yet over, definite progress is being made. My wife edits a center publication which provides the residents with newsy items of interest relating to center life. I am becoming more and more involved with caring for the spiritual well-being of the residents. I guess it might take a while yet for us to feel completely over our transition from a big home to a tiny cottage. But with God's help, we don't doubt that this will come to pass and that we will settle down and give the center our full attention. Purpose is essential. It doesn't matter how old you are. Perhaps one of the things that makes transition so hard is that purpose can be fuzzy or need some adjusting. The things that you used to get out of bed for may have changed or been taken away. It's important to grieve this and then I guess to start small in the new space you find yourself in and see what opportunities are there. I guess being in seasons of survival make us turn inward when really finding purpose outside of ourselves can help us move forward. And as always, this is a process that we need to be patient in. I guess the question could be asked, how do I know I'm struggling? I mean, you probably know you are, but for those of you who don't. Like some of us are just so prone to feeling stressed that we don't even notice when we are. I recently went to see my lady doctor for a checkup and she was telling me that she is seeing a number of women whose cycles are all over the place. She does tests and they all come back fine. She told me that she's putting it down to COVID stress. That blew my mind. That our bodies are so aware of the ongoing stress and changing accordingly. And you may be feeling sort of okay as you self-medicate on Netflix with alcohol or quite simply numb out so that you don't feel overwhelmed all the time. I'm passing no judgment here, but I wish I had learned to identify what stress does to me far earlier in life. I'm leaning and learning into this. Perhaps you find yourself feeling angry a lot. Anger is usually not the root of the problem. Anger is often the result of feeling out of control or powerless. In this current state, I would say that this is completely valid. I guess we need to find healthy ways of discharging that feeling of powerlessness. Maybe you just feel sad. Last year, I hardly cried about anything. This year, I cry most days. Why? Who knows? 
perhaps I have more capacity to actually feel something this year. Wherever you find yourself, I hope that you know that feelings or the lack thereof are not the enemy, merely a little signpost to let you know how your heart is doing, and perhaps from there we can figure out what it is that we need. For many reasons, this last year has been polarizing and strange. The thing with this type of transition though is that we're having to face ourselves in ways that we haven't had to do in our lives. So perhaps opportunity for this discomfort has always been there, but we're always running, we're always distracted, too entertained and too busy to engage. I think that we've been running on empty for way longer than a year and that social distancing started long before we were wearing masks. Perhaps this exhaustion we're all feeling is because we've all had to do some radical surviving, navigating the unknown for an extended period of time, experience loss and tragedy, not to mention the craziness of working out what it is, fake news and what isn't, and all the time yelling our opinions at everyone. I feel like just saying, stop. So, where to from here? Like I said, I'm no expert and I'm, I'm just here trying to figure it out too. But perhaps we can give ourselves and each other grace. Everyone is winging it. Remember that all of us have been affected and all in varying degrees. Be kind to yourself and to others. You don't know what someone else is going through. If your capacity is stretched, acknowledge it and do something about it. Perhaps that looks like less screen time. Perhaps you need to leave a few WhatsApp groups. Maybe it means that you need to get back into exercise or go easy on the wine or go see a doctor or pray and learn to be still with yourself, even in the chaos. Remember that you have navigated a million transitions, big and small, throughout your life. You can do this one too. Sometimes old things need to die in order for new things to be birthed. Sometimes it's letting go of expectations, both of yourself and others, letting go of the script. Perhaps it's also letting go of trying to please everyone. Are you able to stay hopeful? Things are possible. And can you allow yourself to consider them? Take the pressure off. We're not in any rush to get there, wherever there is anyway. Perhaps somewhere we feel more in control again. I don't want to rush back there. The vulnerability of this time has given me many gifts. Some of them have felt like a punch in the face, but they're still good. And I'm sure it will do the same for you. Don't underestimate the traumatic nature of change and transition, and let's not romanticize it either. But we're here. We're in it for better or for worse, and my hope for all of us is that we will find true north and enjoy the beauty of the quest. Thank you for listening and please do subscribe to my channel and share this with your friends and family. I'll be playing out this podcast with one of my wonderful friends and favorite singer-songwriters, Misha, singing an original song of hers, Hope Like Honey. Do check out the show notes of this podcast for the information on all the music used in this show.
Okay.